Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Let's study the Word for a few moments and then we'll receive communion. Praise God. The book of 2 Kings. Now as we continue to study on the subject of divine healing... We have seen in our own ministry over the years how healing comes in waves when it comes to spiritual giftings, the power of God, power of God in ministries. And uh, a lot of times I think people are kind of waiting on the wave, but you can die waiting on a wave. Amen. So it's good to be familiar with... uh, what the Word says, the Spirit of God says, and also to discover in your own heart how much faith you have for healing. And, you know, that's something that you really ought to, I'd like to just say it's better to be preventative than to have to just rely on the mercy of God because if you've, if you've literally... Uh, not prepared yourself by the Word of God to receive healing, then in a crisis when you need the power of God to come into your life, sometimes it's difficult, especially if you know better. Amen. I know there's people who should be here tonight. They know better, but they're not here. People struggling with sickness and disease that need the Word of God in their heart. And, you know, healing is something that I... I, for two reasons. First, for my own personal health. And then secondly, for that which we desire to minister here. I think every day, in some way, I study, meditate, think about, listen to teaching on the subject of divine healing. Every day. I know I make confessions of faith, scriptures that I confess every day. You say, well, are you sick? No, and I don't plan on getting sick. Amen. But you've got to build a great resistance in you. You've got to build it in you, just like a, uh, your immune system. A lot of people are, are more concerned about their physical mu- immune system than they are their spiritual immune system. But I'm telling you, you can build a spiritual immune system on the inside of you that's resistant to sickness and disease. You know, I, I remember uh, Dr. Lester Summerall, uh, for years, I mean, I would look at him and think, man, you're, you need to go to the doctor. And he never, he, he didn't go to doctors. He, 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 his statement was, I don't tell my body uh, ask my body how my, I feel. I tell my body how I feel. And, and you know, when he, went to the, when he went to heaven to be with the Lord, it was by his choice. He was in his 80s. He had actually preached at a friend of mine's church and was on his way back from South Bend, Indiana. And he told Mitch, his, uh, his assistant, he said, I'm through. And he thought that, that he, talk, he was talking about some things he'd been writing. He said, no, I'm finished. I'm through. And he said, well, what do you mean, Dr. Summerall? He said, I'm going to heaven. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with my assignment. I'm gone. And by the time his plane landed in South Bend, he was already in a coma. And two days later, he went to heaven. Well, you know, for all those years, he kept himself alive by faith. Kept himself healed by faith. And, and, and there were times when I would see Brother Summerall, and I'd think to myself, man, he, you know, you don't look very good. But, man, he sure didn't act that way. I mean, he was like a roaring lion. If you'd ever been around him, he was like a roaring lion everywhere he went. He'd get up and open his mouth, and he'd get in that microphone, and I'm telling you, he'd preach heaven down. 
preach hell scared. Amen. Well, that came from years of exposure. Because what you expose yourself to will develop in you. A lot of people wonder why the Word of God doesn't work in their life. Well, the reason is you're not exposed enough. You know, the, back in the, now we've got all these fancy cameras on our phones and everything, but, you know, back in the day we used to have to take our film to the, to the drugstore to get, to get developed. But, you know, that film had to be exposed to the light. And on that light, out of that light would come an image. Well, see, your human spirit's kind of like camera film. It needs to be exposed to the light. The more light it's exposed to, the more it gets developed. Amen. Now, let me just say this, and then we'll, go, we'll jump on our teaching real quick. There's nothing you can't outgrow. Uh, we're talking about uh, divine healing. Now, no matter what it is in your life or how long you've suffered with it, whether it's something that may be perpetual like arthritis, diabetes, the enemy trying to attack your body in some way, you can outgrow that by the Word of God. You can just grow to the point where that doesn't affect you any longer. And that's really the will of God when it comes to healing. Thank God for the, for the healing miracles that God, God does. The lady that we talked about on, uh, I don't see her tonight. I was going to get her to maybe testify. But I, we saw her here this morning that was healed on Easter Sunday of her neck. She was here just fine, moving her neck, still healed by the power of God. Now, that, that, was, that was a gift of the Spirit in operation. Amen. And thank God she's back in church because that will help her keep what God gave her. But now when it just comes to people, uh, that's one of the things I don't uh, think a lot of people realize is when you're first saved, when you're first born again, you're more subject to the miraculous. It's easy for you to come down to the, to the front and have hands laid upon you and be ministered to by the power of God. But you know, God expects you to grow up. A lot of people don't like that because growing up takes effort. But you've got to grow up. I've sat in thousands of hours of teaching. By, you know, uh, Pastor Mark Brzee, who I, I believe God uses mightily in, in, in ministering healing to people, he did a healing conference at his church, what, two years ago? And, and, and so I just flew up there. I mean, he started it on a Sunday and ran it through a Friday. And when I got there, I was amazed. I thought, where is everybody? I thought, man, Mark Brzee is teaching on healing. Where is everybody? Amen. I mean, he's got a revelation of it. He has a gift. And I was amazed at the people, not that the people that were there, the people that were there were very blessed. I was amazed at the people that weren't there. People should have flown in from all over the country. There is not an interest in the body of Christ right now for divine healing. There's too much controversy. There's too much uh, uh, social media. And, and I literally saw uh, something on uh, 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 the Internet when I was looking at some things about redoing our doctrinal statement in which two or three major ministries have, have criticized other ministries and said, I don't care what they say, no one has ever been healed in their ministry. Well, that's just crazy. And that, they named Benny Hinn as one of them. No one has ever been healed in his ministry. Well, he could have never drawn those crowds. People would have never come to those meetings. I mean, if you're selling ice cream and you don't have ice cream in the box, people ain't going to come buy it. They're not going to buy into it. You know why those crowds were so large? I sat on the platform in one and then we went to another. Those crowds were so large because people were getting healed and the testimony was going out. I remember back in the, in the days in the 60s and 70s, early 70s when, when Dad and, and, and a lot of the, his peers and friends were all involved in full gospel businessmen and they'd have these big meetings up in Houston and Shamrock Hilton and Catherine Kuhlman would come and all these different ministers that ministered healing would come. Those crowds, you couldn't get people in the door. They'd be lined up at the door at, at the Shamrock at 6 in the morning trying to get in there. 
Well, see, the enemy fights that kind of stuff. And people get complacent, apathetic. But I'm telling you, the day's coming where that your, your, your place on this earth is only going to be secured by the knowledge of healing that you have in your heart. Because there's stuff already on the earth right now. And, you know, we just came through the flu season, and I didn't cooperate. Amen? We didn't have a bunch of people get the flu in this church. But they said it was the worst one we've had in years. More people died of the flu this year uh, than they have in something like 20-something years. Listen, we don't have to be subject to that. We have to, we have to saturate ourselves in the, in, in the doctrine of divine healing to the point where we're literally building such a strong uh, spiritual immune system that no matter what comes up on this earth, it doesn't affect us. The price has already been paid. Now, real quick, real quick, uh, uh, 2 Kings, if we're going to talk about divine healing, we've got to throw 2 Kings in there. Chapter 5, verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the Lord, king of Syria. Now Naaman was captain of the host of the king of Syria and was a great man uh, uh, with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a leper. And that got all those other accolades. Mighty man in valor, honorable, great man with his master, captain, but he's a leper. So you can have all these positive things, and one negative, negative thing about your physical health will mess you up. Amen? And it says, and uh, uh, Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, now notice this, thank God for, for servants of God that don't get bitter. Because she could have kept her mouth shut. She could have thought, man, I'm a slave. She could have thought, man, these people, they stole me out of my home, out of my country. I ain't going to tell them about no healing power. But no, she wasn't, she wasn't like that. And she said to her mistress, would God, my Lord, the uh, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took him. Now notice what he took. Ten talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. I'm telling you, he took a fortune with him. He took a fortune with him. Now this shows us he's willing to do whatever it takes to get healed. Because, you know, they declare leprosy as being uh, an uncurable a disease. He said, and he brought the, the letter to the king of Israel, saying, uh, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man is sent unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore I consider... I pray you see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Now, now he goes to the king and presents this letter because probably that's the protocol of the day. But when he gives the letter to this king, this king thinks, man, you're trying to pick a fight with me. I can't get you healed. I, well, what are you trying to do? And, 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 you know, he rent his clothes, which is a, a, a sign of great exasperation. And, and you know, he's, he's like, man, you trying to start a war with me? Is Syria trying to come to war with Israel? But, but thank God, amen, Elisha heard about it. It was so when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent unto the king, saying, 
Wherefore, house thou, rent thy clothes, let him come down to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now, now, this one of the most amazing truths of this story is, this is an uncoveted Gentile. This is a man with no covenant. Now, let, let's say it like this. This is, a no, this is a man with no right to healing whatsoever. Now think about that for a minute. He had no right to healing, but he got healed. Now you, 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 you got, you're listening, but you're not hearing. He had no right to healing, but he got healed. Now let me try it one more time, because some of you, if you'll listen to this tonight, you're going, some going to go off in your spirit, you're going to see something. He had no right to healing, but he got healed. Now, you have a right to healing. I said, you have a right to healing. I said, you have a right not by anything that you've done. You have a right by what Jesus has done for you. Healing belongs to you. It belongs to you even more than it belonged to Elijah, who was the prophet. You say, now how can you say that? He was a prophet. Because we got a better covenant based on better promises. Now listen, what makes it a better covenant based on better promises is that which Christ has done. But what makes it better for you is your participation in it. It's when you participate within the confines of the covenant through doing what? Through prayer, through meditation on the Word of God, through having the Word of God taught to you, submission, humility, resisting the devil, taking and soaking yourself, saturating yourself in the Word of healing, the Word of prosperity, whatever word you need for deliverance, you've got to do that. So I'm just waiting for somebody who comes got some power. Somebody's here that has power. His name is Jesus. Amen. Now notice this. There's no set protocol for healing in this story. We don't have volumes of, of healing testimony from Genesis to 2 Kings. We have a few isolated incidents in which people were healed. We don't see great healing crusades. Basically, we see the mercy of God touching God's people in Israel. When he brought them out of Egypt, the Bible said there was not one feeble one among them. Then every time they got into sin and got in trouble, he'd heal them. Amen. Sarah was healed. Abraham's, Abraham's uh, uh, wife was healed, conceived and bore Isaac. There were other isolated incidents of healing, but there's no precedent. There's no teaching of laying on of hands. There's no gifts of the Spirit, so to speak, that's revealed or taught on. We have it revealed and taught on. Amen. So he goes, he's standing there in all his pomp, circumstance, and grandeur. And here's what Elisha does. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be made clean. Period. The end. When I write a book on healing, it's going to be so short. And so simple. Amen. I'm going to have a beautiful cover and a beautiful back. And you're going to open it up. It's going to be one place. It's going to say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Because people write volumes of complicated information that at the end of the day really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Because people already got preset ideas in their mind and you can't talk people out of things in their mind. Either the Word of God reveals unto them the reality of what God has done in Christ Amen? 
and it's by your exposure to it that you get it? Or you just stay in ignorance? Now notice, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Now I don't know if it was the number seven. We know it was the Jordan River because he didn't like the Jordan River. I don't know what it was, but the next verse, verse uh, 11 says, And Naaman was wroth. You know what that means? He got mad. Now, that's, people will do that. They'll get mad. That you get up and teach on the Word of God. You say, you know, uh, God wants to touch your life. He wants to heal your body. He wants to do this. You need to come hear some teaching. You need to get you a book on divine. Boy, there's some great books out there. By Bosworth. Uh, uh, Brother Hagen has some good books. There's a uh, book by Teal Osborne, Jesus the Healer. Book by E.W. Get, get some books. Get in the Word of God. Study the Gospels. See healing. See healing all over the Word of God. See Jesus as your healer. See Him in redemption's work. Just see it. No, I'm waiting for somebody to come lay hands on me and I'll be healed. Well, I, I hope they come in time for you. And if the anointing comes in on me in time for you, I'll minister it to you. But all things being equal, if God expects us to saturate ourselves in words of divine healing and health, then we got to be responsible to do it. Everybody say responsible. Now, we live in a generation that's very unique. You say, why is that? We're, we're literally the, one of the first or maybe even the second generation that will actually question a doctor. Oh, let's say it like this. We will take responsibility for our health. The doctor will say one thing. We say, well, well, I don't know about that. They say something else. Well, I don't know about that either. We're actually people that actually believe in, are you ready? Getting another opinion. I mean, somebody says, well, we're not going to do surgery on you. We need to split your chest open, open you up, and, you know, pull your liver out. We'll go throw it around the emergency room a while, and, and after that, we're going to wash it in a tub, and, and we're going to sew it back in, and then we're going to uh, take two of your ears off, and, you know, and then take your arm off and sew it where your leg was. Do I, you know, you say, you know, I may need to get a second opinion. Amen. <laughs> but if we were as able and apt to take the Word of God as we are to take the Word of a doctor and believe it, we'd get healed a whole lot quicker. It goes back to that old song we used to sing back in the 90s, Whose Report Will You Believe? Now, now obviously, Naaman, he's not a spiritual man. He's not, he's not, he doesn't know the things of God. So, but, but obviously, he had preset in his mind, Nathan was wroth and went away and said, Behold, now here's the key. This is what we need to get to. Now, I thought. Everybody say, I thought. Now, your thinking will keep you sick. Now, let me say that again. Your thinking will keep you sick. In your mind, you know, the doctors even tell us that almost 60, now, I think this is an unreal statistic. I just, hard time to wrap your head around, wrap your thoughts around it. But 60% of sickness and disease in America is psycho, dealing with the mind, somatic, which means it's, you think it, think it, think it, then you are. And then they've proven it uh, through test of people walking in and saying something to somebody, saying something, and then that person begin to manifest the symptoms of what the person is saying to them. Amen? So you've got to recognize this, that many times healing that lies, lies resident in your spirit is looking for an expression through your flesh. Now let me say this, because we'll, we'll touch this as we continue to, we'll hit it and then we'll run. You don't need healing to come to you, it's already there. 
Healing is already deposited in your human spirit. It lies resident in your recreated spirit. What you're trying to do is to get that healing power up out of your spirit and into your flesh. Amen. It's activated so many different ways. It can be activated by praise or worship. It can be activated by the laying on of hands. It can be activated by a confession of faith. It can be activated by dipping in the river seven times. God could give you. There's an old uh, a missionary that used to come to Lakewood named Clarence Matheny. Actually, when we gave, remember that $100,000 offering we gave, not this past fall harvest, but the one before? Or was it this past one? No, it was the one before. Now, it is his son, Don. That pastored the church. That pastored the church now in Nairobi, Kenya, that we gave that offering to. Now his dad, Clarence, was a was a was a, a man of no learning, had no education, could not read or write, could not read or write, and his wife had been in an accident and went through a windshield of a car, and it horribly disfigured her face, and she had to wear big, thick coat. Coke bottle glasses, and they heard she heard of a man that was praying for the sick. This is in the late 50s. We're praying for the sick. And so she dared to go. Now, he said he was a mean man. He's real mean, real big and real mean. He said, now, if you don't get healed, I'm going to beat the tar out of that preacher. Well, guess what happened? She goes up there and gets a creative miracle, and God heals her eyes, restores her face, and Clarence gets saved. Then about two weeks later, he told his wife, he says, I think God's calling me to preach. And she said, don't tell anybody. Well, their family literally shook Africa all through the 70s, the 80s, and 90s before he went on to heaven. But she developed a cough, a nagging I mean, he told this testimony in our Bible school in 1984. A nagging cough. Now, he, he, he pled his case. He, 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 they confessed healing scriptures. He said, everybody we knew laid hands on us. He said, I'm telling you, we could not find healing anyway. And he said, one night, she was having a coughing fit. He said, I went into my prayer room and I cried out to God. I said, God, we have ministered healing all over Africa. We believe that you are the healer. We do not deny it in any way. But I ask you tonight, give us some relief. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go get a cool glass of water and put a teaspoon of vinegar in it. Well, you know what he did? He went and got a cool glass of water and put a teaspoon of vinegar in it. She drank it never coughed again. Now, you can't get healed from a chronic cough that's gone on for years with a teaspoon of vinegar in a cold glass of water. Did you know that? You say, what, 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 what was that? God just giving him something to obey and act on that when he did, that healing already healing power already rose, rose up and touched her throat. And she never coughed again. Well, it's the same way. God's telling Naaman. Now, now with Naaman, healing power is not in him. It's not in Elisha. It's not in either one of them. But all he's got to do is obey what the prophet said. Go dip in the Jordan River. Now, all of a sudden, his mind goes crazy. He's trying to make a fool out of you. We'll see in a minute. There are better rivers, clearer rivers. Jordan at that area where, where Elisha was living. It was very muddy. There's better places to go, better things to do. So he went away mad. That's what a lot of people do. They go away mad. He said, I thought he will surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not the Arbana and Fafar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? 
May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. But you know, here's the deal. You can get mad at the preacher, get mad at the Word of God, get mad, but you still keep your sickness and disease. But thank God for servants. His servant came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had been to do some great thing, so there he's dealing with pride, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said unto thee, Wash and be clean, and he went down, now notice this, and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. It worked. That simple act of faith caused the healing power of God to come out of the unseen realm and heal his body. A Gentile. Someone that did not deserve healing. Was not a, he, he was not a servant of, uh, of Jehovah Rapha, the healer. But he still got healed. Now, I believe that God looked down through the portals of time and saw a time in which there needed to be a lot of teaching on healing. And he knew that one of the biggest problems with people receiving healing in their body would be what? Their minds. Trying to figure it out. Amen? So you must, every individual that's believing God for healing, you must fight that fight in your mind. And you must make a decision, I'm not going to let my mind rob me of what God has deposited in me. Because divine health and healing, greater is he that's in me. He, he that's in you is greater than cancer, is greater than diabetes, is greater than arthritis, is greater than the flu, is greater than a cold, is greater than any injury. It's greater, it's in you. Everybody say the greater one. The greater one, the greater one is in me. Now, if we could feel it, we'd be unstoppable. We're that close. You say, what do you mean by that? If we could feel, I feel that healing power. Just a little. I mean, not some bit. Just if we could just feel a little. Just a little tingle. There it is right there. Ooh. Amen. And if there was a scripture that would line up in the Bible, back here in the letters, Apostle Paul over in the book of Acts, or maybe in the book of Thessalonians, he said, now, the healing power of God resides in you. And when you feel that tingling, you know you're being healed. <laughs> Amen. That'd be nice. I'd love that. But the just shall live by faith. So you've got to believe it. You've got to stand on it. You've got to make a decision not to let your mind rob you of it. And tonight, if you're believing for healing or health in your body, you've got to fight that fight in your mind, especially when your mind and your feelings cooperate together to testify against that which God has already put in you. Your mind says you're sick, and your body tells you you're sick. Amen? But always remember this. And this, I'll close with this, and we'll receive, we'll receive communion. Always remember this. This is so good. That may be the facts, but it's not the truth. And Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now notice this. You shall know. Everybody say no. Now notice that's not the word believe. Because that word know, is when you study in the Greek, there's literally an indication that it's an experience. You shall experience the truth. And the truth shall set you free. So how many are ready to experience the truth? 
Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you through redemptive work of Jesus my Lord and my healer. Healing power abides in me. It's resident in my spirit. By faith, through confession, I release it in Jesus' name. Touching every cell, touching all of my organs, driving out sickness and disease, preparing me to walk in divine health, keeping me strong and resilient against disease. Thank you, Father. My mind will not talk me out of it. My body will not talk me out of it. But I will remain the healed of God all the days of my life. I thank you for it. I rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Now take a moment and lift your hands and thank God that you're healed. Come on, just thank Him. Come on, just thank Him that you're healed in your body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 For healing in everybody. Healing in everybody. Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I take you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, as I was born again by that which you have done, receiving you into my spirit man through the confession of my faith. I also receive you as healer in my body, my Savior, my healer, my deliverer. I rejoice that you have set me free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. I don't know if you like that, but I do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ushers, if you will, come real quick and begin to pass out the communion implements real quick. 1 Corinthians 11, we take our Scripture. So many supernatural. Every time I, I was reading this the other day, and just it just keeps, I don't know. I've learned so much over the past 34 years to so appreciate the Word of God. I went digging through a bunch of my old Bibles the other day to see what I'd written in all the different, you know, the flaps and things. We don't have any, nothing written on there. I always put notes and all kinds of stuff like that. I tell you, I could preach, I can preach the Word. I can preach, I could preach the flaps. Amen. But communion, everybody say communion. It's one of the two ordinances of the church. Communion, water, baptism. The Apostle Paul, now that's just amazing in itself that God did not use, thank you Chris, God did not use Peter, who was there at the Last Supper, John, who was there, or any other disciple. He used the Apostle Paul. Isn't that amazing? It's a great picture of the redemptive work of Christ to take one that was an enemy and then pull him so close and embrace him to the point that you actually give him New Testament revelation of an ordinance of the church. It's amazing. Now notice, it says, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which you were betrayed, took bread. Now that's another great character reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I see it, it thrills me. I never get tired of looking at it. That that, that that night, they called it His passion. 
That's the night he was betrayed. That's the night in which those that were closest to him got the furthest from him. That's the night that the covenant family of of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, took the last spotless lamb. Amen. But instead of getting bitter or distraught, he continued to just stay steady in covenant business. Listen, you got to learn in the greatest crisis of your life just to stay steady in covenant business. That's the only way you're going to get through it. You don't get through it any other way. Same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do you. Now notice the phrase, in remembrance of me. That's a covenant phrase. Everybody say remembrance. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. There's that phrase again. Everybody say, in remembrance of me. You know, I, I can't, I'm not going to turn over there and try to quote it exactly. In Philippians chapter 3, he talked about, the Apostle Paul talked about, you know, his heart was to know more of Christ, that I might know him, and the power of, of his resurrection. Now notice, the next phrase says this, this is Philippians chapter 3, and the fellowship, everybody say fellowship, of his suffering. Now notice that terminology again. It's kind of foreign to us because now that's, a, that's kind of the old English way of saying. But notice, everybody say fellowship of his suffering. So a lot of people have taken that over this and said, well, yeah, it shows you right there, you know, you need to suffer a little bit. Well, that's not what it means at all. Paul is saying this, I constantly fellowship. Now, what do you do when you fellowship? You get together. You can't text in fellowship. You can't call. You got to go. And you got you to look at people eye to eye. You got to see them. You got to talk to them. Then you fellowship it. Amen. Now, he said that I might, what? Fellowship in his suffering. That means every day he was considering what Jesus suffered. Now, let me say that again. Every day, he was fellowshipping, considering, thinking about what Jesus suffered. My sin, he took. My sickness, he took. My, 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 my poverty, he took. He, he, every day, he thought about, oh, how he suffered. How he suffered. How he suffered. How he suffered on the cross. How he suffered in the garden. How he, how he suffered when he was beaten. How he suffered when they put the crown of thorns upon his, on his head. And, and the thorns dug into his brow. How he suffered when the nails went into his hands. How he suffered when they went into his feet. How he suffered as he, as he strained against the weight of his own body. And pulled himself up and tried to breathe as he slowly suffocated on the cross. How he suffered. How he suffered. How he suffered. Oh, but he did it for me. Uh, the love of God. He talked about the love of God. That we would know the breadth, length, depth, and height. It's unmeasurable. Why would God come and suffer for me? Because He loved you. When you fellowship in His suffering, you're fellowshipping in that which He did for you. A lot of people now, they consider it at Easter time. But every day you ought to fellowship in that suffering. Go see the suffering Savior upon the cross. Suffering for you. And see the eternal love that was released on your behalf. Because if you were the only person that ever would ever get born again, He would have done it just for you. Thank God multitudes have, but He would have done it just for one person. That's how valuable you are to God.
Amen? Now, in communion, we fellowship with that suffering. You say we do. Yes, his body was broken. The bread we take, we break the wafer. His body was broken. What does that indicate? Or what is the significance of that? His broken body refers to the power of Satan being broken over you. Sickness and disease has been broken over you. Poverty and lack, addiction and affliction has been broken. Why? Because his body was broken to deliver that to you. The blood, the blood was spilled. It was spilled seven times in the garden. Uh, on his brow when they put on the crown of thorns. On his back when he was whipped. When they put the nails in his feet and in his hands. Uh, when they stuck the, the spear in his side. Uh, when they bruised him. That's a type of inward bleeding. Seven times his blood was spilled. One time it was offered on the mercy seat of God. That's his suffering. He suffered so we don't have to. So many Christians suffer needlessly. Needlessly. Now, you may suffer in, in, in fulfilling the will of God. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. What did he suffer? He came out of heaven. That's suffering to come down to a fallen planet. He lived upon this earth. He took our sin. He took our sickness. But when we fellowship in his suffering, his suffering becomes precious to us. Amen? I heard somebody the other day make a crude statement. It was on a television program that I was watching a news program, and, and they, were, they made a slight remark about Christianity, about, yeah, those people who got, whose God hangs on a stick. Thank God I wasn't there. I'd have grabbed him by his throat. I'd have, you know, I'd have had to ask for forgiveness later. But that greatly offended me. He didn't hang on a stick. He hung on a cross, and he did it for me, and he did it for that person that made that slide remark. He was mocking Christianity, mocking the cross. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the broken body. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. Take your, take your bread, if you will. Hold it up. Heavenly Father, in, in great honor for every person here that's believing you for healing to manifest in their body that in them lies a great reservoir of healing power, not only for themselves, but also that they can minister to others. But tonight, as we fellowship in that suffering and consider the significance of His broken body and how by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ we've been made healed. We're not sick looking to be healed. We are the healed of God, using everything we can to fight off every symptom of sickness, disease, infirmity, or injury. So Jesus, in honor of you tonight, in great reverence and holiness, we break the bread and partake. And Father, we're so thankful. It's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's not an offering that was made here on earth. It's one that was made in heaven. And the holiest of all, in a sacred moment, shrouded with the holiness of the Father Himself, as Jesus entered once into the holy place, He poured His blood upon the mercy seat, the purchase price of redemption, so very expensive, but free to whosoever will call upon His name. In honor of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the cup tonight. Hallelujah. Now I want you to lift your hands and declare your health and your healing tonight. 
No matter what kind of doctor's report. No matter what your body, your mind may be telling you. Just thank God that you're healed tonight. Father, I thank you in my body that I'm healed. That Jesus was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes I'm healed. You've blessed my bread and my water. You've taken all sickness and symptoms from the midst of me. You've delivered me from the power of darkness, translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. You've not given me the spirit of fear, but of, of power, power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you, Lord. The law, the spirit of life in Christ, makes us free from the law of sin and death. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, dwells in us. It quickens, it makes alive our mortal bodies. So we speak to arthritis, to diabetes, to cancer, to back problems, shoulder problems, neck problems. We speak to skin issues. We speak to whatever it may be. Uh, people in their, in their dental, uh, in their gums. We speak to people with, with problems in their feet and their toes. We speak to people who have the, uh, what's that, in their, in their arms, or that corporal tunnel trying to come up on their hands. In the name of Jesus, we speak. We speak God's Word, God's ability, God's power. And we say, in the name of Jesus, go from our bodies. Leave us in Jesus' name. You have no right to be here. We cancel your assignment. And Jesus, we rejoice that you're our healer. Just as you're our Savior, you're our healer. Just as you're our Savior, you're our healer. We rejoice in it. We thank you for it. We believe we receive in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.